सहनावतु सहनो भुनक्तो सहवीर्यंकवाहै तेजस्वीनावधीतमस्तु मेषावह verses from number 5 on the page 8 satvam rajastam iti satvam guna prakriti sambhava guna prakriti sambhava nibadhnanti mahabaho nibadhnanti mahabaho dehe dehi namavyayam प्रकाशकमनामयकमनामयसंगेन बध्नासंगेन बध्नासंगेन चानघ ज्ञानसंगेन रजोरागात्मक विधि रजोरागात्मक विधि तृष्णसंगसमुद्भव तृष्णसंगसमुद्भव तबद्धनादि कांतेय तबद्धनादि कांतेय कर्मसंगेन देहिनम कर्मसंगेन देहिनम तमस्वज्ञानज विधि तमस्वज्ञानज विधि मोहनम सर्वेहिना मोहनम सर्वेहिना प्रमादाल से निद्रा तबद्धनाति भारत तबद्धनाति भारत सत्व सुखे संजयते सत्व सुखे संजयते रज कर्मणि भारत रज कर्मणि भारत ज्ञानमृत्युतम ज्ञानमृत्युतम प्रमादे संजयत्युत रजस्तमस्ाभूय रजस्तमस्ाभूय सत्ति भारत भारत रजस्व तमश्च रजस्व तमश्च तमस्वस्तु प्रकाश उपजायते प्रकाश उपजायते ज्ञानम यदा तदा विद्यावृद्धम सत्वित्युत विवृद्धम सत्वित्युत लोभ प्रवृत्तिरारंभ लोभ प्रवृत्तिरारंभ कर्मणमस्पृह रजस्येता जायंते रजस्येता जायंते विवृद्धे भरतर्षभ विवृद्धे भरतर्षभ सर्वद्वारेषु देहस्मिन् प्रकाशः उपजायते तदा 
sattvam vivruddham iti vidyat so lord says when so understand so there what are the indications of of the predominance of sattva rajas and tamas lord krishna says when sattva predominates then sarvadvayeshu in all the gates that means in all the sense organs in the body prakashah upajayate there is prakasha prakasha means a light of knowledge illumination so as we say when the mind is sattvic it is pure it is transparent and reflects the consciousness of knowledge which is the nature of the self and therefore there is a knowledge of the illumination as we say then the mind is not a projecting mind mind is a perceiving mind when rajas is there the mind projects when rajas and tamas are not there then the mind is a an appreciating mind a seeing mind and is able to see the things as they are that mind appreciates the beauty and the harmony obtaining everywhere so this is the sattva lobah pravrutirarambah karmana vashamaspruha on the other hand when rajas becomes predominant then understand here you know lobah greed pravrutihi all kinds of activity karmana arambah taking up of all the huge projects asamah restlessness unrest spruha longing in general so this is what will result when rajas is predominant <coughs> Lord Krishna talks about lobah greed so and when tamas becomes predominant then the other the krodha the anger so when rajas is predominant then there is pruha there is longing there is an attachment there is desire for pleasure desire for enjoyment and when that rajas becomes even stronger then the desire never gets satiated so that's the nature of desire lord krishna earlier also said that this desire is kama and the krodha the anger this can be compared to fire dushpurena analena cha like ana of the fire that cannot be satisfied more you offer the fire more the fire demands and similarly also this lobha the greed is like that more we try to fulfill the desire more arises more desires in fact arises so that is greed which has no end at all even anger also is like that krodha is also like that you try to satisfy that it comes up again and again even the lust or the desire also is like that more we try to satisfy more they arise for the very simple reason that the very cause of the arising remains what we are doing is giving symptomatic treatment as the different as the different feelings arise in our mind so we try to satisfy them so a desire arises i try to satisfy that anger arises i express it greed arises i try to satisfy that it looks as though of course desire arises i satisfy it seems to go away momentarily just to arise in a different form the anger also arises i express it it goes away momentarily again to arise in a different form whereas lobha the greed is that we never get satisfied at least kama krodha get satisfied momentarily lobha is that greed is that which never get satisfied So all of these are compared to fire, and just as by pouring butter in the fire, how fire becomes more and more demanding, and so also mind becomes more and more demanding. More we try to satisfy this, because the very cause, all of these arise from a sense of inadequacy, a sense of incompleteness about oneself, and rajas makes it very strong. That sense of inadequacy becomes very strong because of rajas, and. somehow the inadequacy does not go regardless of how much is supplied 
because what the mind is seeking is limitless and regardless of whatever we supply it whatever we supplied or provided is going to be limited and that's the reason why my desire never seems to get satisfied when i get something desirable momentarily my mind does experience satisfaction but again that lack again springs up and creates another desire in my mind so unless that fundamental lack or the want is treated this whole thing continues and that is why knowledge is said to recognize that the want that i am feeling the limitation that i am feeling is something that is a notion is a product of ignorance and it is to be dealt with resolved a desire is to be understood rather than to be satisfied a desire can be dealt with in two ways when a desire arises in my mind i can satisfy it and it goes away but then it brings another desire in its wake whereas when the desire, understand the desire so what is it that causes the desire a sense of smallness what's the desire behind the desire to become free from the smallness to become free from 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 the bondage to become free from a sense of limitation and what is that what is that causes the sense of limitation is atma the self really limited if it is not then the sense of limitation is is just a notion or a complex and not a reality in this manner every time the mind poses a desire we should address the desire it is not that every desire is wrong it is not that every desire should be dismissed but usually desire means desire is always for something that i do not have yes desire is always for something that i do not have but also desire can be for something that i think i do not have like the desire for my glasses which have been tucked away like that and i am looking for it all over so glasses are all my forehead and i am looking for it everywhere i don't find them i keep on screaming and shouting i do that i don't get them so there is also a desire that's a desire for glasses i think that i don't have the glasses but then i think i do not have so understand that desires are of two kinds one is the desire of the things that i do not have other is the desire of something that i think i do not have so i don't have a motor car it's a, and i want to get a car it's a desire for something that i don't have i don't have enough money i want more money it's a desire for something i do not have and all these worldly things that i want are the desires for something that i do not have and those desires can be satisfied however desire for happiness or desire for security is it a desire for something that i do not have the answer is no it is a desire for something that i think i do not have and therefore i can go ahead and acquire money that is fine but if i think that i'll get happiness out of money well then i should think about it if i think that money will give me security i should think about it because happiness and security are not something to be procured from elsewhere because they are the nature of the self and that is why whenever mind desires something i ask my mind oh mind what do you want by fulfillment of the desire there can be really a need i mean you know person needs money person needs things the thing you know that's not somebody's fault that there are needs because we are born with needs this body is there which has its needs there are hunger and thirst and heat and cold and therefore we have to provide the basic necessities but beyond that 
all of these, then I have to ask whether after the basic necessities are satisfied, then is the wealth or the worldly objects, are they capable of giving me anything more? Are they capable of giving me happiness? Are they capable of giving me security? It was interestingly pointed out to me during the satsang in the afternoon, the Swamiji, 80% of the marriages break down because of money. Money is the cause for a breaking down of 80% of marriages. I mean, that's amazing. Putra Adabhidhan Bhajam Bhidhi Sarvatraita Raisha Vihitaritihi Shankarajara said hundreds of years ago that a wealthy person has fear even from the sun. Sun is very dear. That also becomes the cause of fear. Wealth always divides. So we have to ask this question. As to what is it I am seeking? Is it capable of providing what I want out of sight or not? There is nothing against comfort. There is nothing against wealth. There is nothing against anything. All we should know is what purpose does it serve in my life? If I think that it serves my purpose, fine. No, no. If I think that it does not serve the purpose, I should stop <coughs> and think about it. So that is why the Rajas Sattva shows me as I am. That's why I feel happy about myself. Rajas shows a distorted picture about me. Whereas I am a complete being, Rajas shows me to be an incomplete being. And so, from the distorted perception of myself, these desires have arisen. And unless the perception gets corrected, the desires won't go. That is Rajas. And Tamas, of course, completely veils the uh, understanding of myself. So in the verse 13 we are told, Aprakasho pravruttischa Aprakasho pravruttischa Pramado moha evacha Pramado moha evacha Tamasyetani jayante Tamasyetani jayante Vibruddhe kuru nandana Vibruddhe kuru nandana Tamasi vibruddhe he kuru nandana etani jayante He kuru nandana, oh descendant of Kuru dynasty All different names of Arjuna Tamasi vibruddhe When tamas predominates Etani jayante Tu etani These surely come into being when tamas becomes predominant, these things come into being. This surface. Aprakasha. Aprakasha means light, illumination. Aprakasha means darkness, lack of illumination. There is when the mind has, is, is under the spell of tamas, it just cannot, cannot understand anything. My mind can't grasp anything. Even though all the reason is there for me to understand things. I am being told. Suppose the scripture is being unfolded, something is being told to me, unfolded very clearly and there is all the reason why I should understand it. And still when the mind is in the spell of tamas, I just cannot understand. So even when the cause for understanding is there, then also mind fails to understand, that is tamas. Not only Vedanta, it doesn't matter Vedanta, we are talking about the day-to-day things, you know, with the conversation going on between two persons, between two spouses also. And then somebody is trying to explain, the other person just doesn't follow at all, doesn't understand. And so, because tamas, you know, because just the mind is that kind of grasp, when in a spell of tamas, it just cannot grasp. Just opposite of sattva, 
when mind is predominant sattva, it becomes illumined, grasps even very subtle things also. And when the mind in the spell of tamas cannot grasp even big things, it cannot. <coughs> that is aprakasha, apravrutischa. Apravruti, lack of pravruti, inactivity. Even when activity is all in front of me, even though there is a cause for me to do something, and the normal conditions have acted, I can see that here is a situation which requires a response from me. So, here is a floor that requires that I should vacuum it, you know, for example. Here all the dishes piled up, they require that I should wash them, you know. I mean, this is an example that comes to me right now, but anyway, let us say things are there. And inviting my response, I can see them and say, Apravrutti, somehow I just cannot get motivated at all. There is Apravrutti, inactivity, where there is a need for activity, not just any inactivity. Even sattvic person also may be inactive, he may also appear, you know, two, two extremes look alike. A person who is sattvic and a person who is tamas, both of them look alike. One is in samadhi, one is in sleep. Both of them look alike. So very often people have confusion, you know, they think that their very mind is Swami, very quiet, you know. <laughs> Swami, when I am doing meditation, then I, I, my mind becomes quiet. Very often people fall asleep also in meditation. <laughs> they think they are in samadhi, but it could be any, any kind of samadhi. <laughs> so, pravrutti, there is no motivation. And that's what we find in countries like in India. In this country is no problem. Here there is a lot of rajas and therefore what is to be told here is karma yoga. Perform there. Is, we need not tell people to work here. Because there are a lot of activities there. A lot of rajas is there. So Swami Vivekananda when he came to the United States, he would talk to the Americans in one way. When he goes to India, he talks in a different way. Here he would talk of renunciation. There he will talk of karma. So what is this? Swami is saying different things and is a contradictory. It's not contradictory, but depends on who he is talking to. When you find the mass of tamas in India, most of aroused. So he was like a powerhouse. He was trying to, you know, arouse everything, motivate everything, energize everything. Because tamas. So where tamas is there, doesn't matter. The only way to deal with tamas is to create a temptation or or give a threat, one of the two. That's what our scriptures do. You know, Lord Krishna also said, Niyatam kuru karmatvam karma jayokya karmanaha sharira yatra pichate na prasiddheda karmanaha. Akarmanaha karma jayaha. Here Arjuna, karma or activity is at any rate better than inactivity. Not some doing something is at any rate better than not doing anything. If you do not participate in the scheme of things. So here is a scheme of things and that calls for participation on the part of everyone. Every atom also participates. And everything does its, its share of things. So everybody, of course, other than human beings, nobody has the freedom not to participate anyway, fortunately. Otherwise, I don't know what would happen. As Swami says, suppose this pot had a mind of its own, I don't know what would happen, you know. We have no idea. If table and things had mind like human beings, then I don't know what would happen here. I don't know whether a class can take place because you come here, table is not there. <laughs> or microphone decides that I am not going to transmit whatever it is. But other than human being, as best as we understand, nobody has free will and therefore everybody automatically is a part of the scheme and they contribute 
into the scheme of things. For human being has a free will, that's why all the upadesha, all the, the teaching is necessary. Because free will can be used, misused, unused, abused, a lot of things can be done with it. Here free will is unused. A tamahogani person does not use the free will. But his mind can justify also not doing something. That is Arjuna want to justify because the task is very unpleasant. People renounce karma. People renounce activity. Why? It's very painful, very unpleasant. Or a lot of Swami is too much exertion. I'm going to take premature retirement. <laughs> so people take interest in Vedanta because premature retirement for what? Because this is just too much hassle. Too much hassle. So that kind of renunciation, the act, given, the, the giving up the activity, because it's too much hassle, it, it is not the right kind of renunciation. Sakratva rajasamtyagam naivatyaga phalam labhed. Lord Krishna said that kind of tyaga or renunciation does not yield any fruit or does not yield any reward. And some people philosophically uh, explain or philosophically justify not doing something that, well, after all, Swamiji, you are talking about Atma being ever free. Vedic role of action? It's all knowledge. Action has no role at all. And action becomes a distraction in the knowledge, in the process of knowledge. Therefore, action must be given up. It is fine. But then action can be given up, provided you have freedom to give up the action. Provided you have grown to a point where you don't need the action. But here a fellow doesn't perform action. So where is the question of giving up? It's like these people, you know. Once uh, one guru and some disciples were going on a tour, walking, and they came at the uh, outskirts of a village. And then the teacher said, Okay, fellows, now uh, you go and get some rice and dal and you know, go back bhiksha. You do this, do that. One fellow was asked to procure some, some firewood and make sure that you set up the fire and light the fire. In the meantime, all these fellows will bring other. Samagri, you know, other materials, make khichdi, you know, cook food. So this fellow was given responsibility that you must light the fire and make sure also that the fire is put out. When we leave, shouldn't leave the fire, you know, on. So fine, everybody went to perform their chores and this fellow was, you know, he was, he was thinking. Says Guruji said that I should light up the fire and then put out the fire. Then why to light the fire in the first place? <laughs> so he didn't do anything. That's all. Everybody brought their thing. Then where is where is the firewood? Where is? But sir, you said that the fire is to be put out. Then I I thought why should we illumine in the first place? Light up in the first place. So we must light up. The the food must be rice must be cooked and then it should be put out. Similarly. Karma should be first done and the mind must be cooked. So the karma is like cooking the mind, ripening the fruit. So ripening the fruit requires some warmth, you know. And then otherwise somebody like Swami was saying once upon a time, uh, he was distributing prasad and then uh, he was, bananas were there and he was, and there was one western, some, some from some country, the person was not familiar with banana or, you know, so Swami said, look, when you eat this banana, when it gets, when it is soft, it's okay. And tell me how you liked it. Banana is a very sweet fruit. That person did not know how banana tasted. So Swami said, banana is very sweet, but eat when it gets soft. 
Next day he said, Swami, I ate the banana. I didn't like it. You, thought, you say it is soft, it's a sweet fruit. There's no sweetness there. So, but I told you to eat banana when it gets soft. Yes, I softened it, you know. <laughs> he softened the banana by, and then ate it. Softened means you have to ripen it. And similarly, mind also is like the banana, or like better than banana mango. It needs to be ripened. See, mango, when it is raw, unripe, then it is green, sour in taste, and has a certain kind of a smell. But when it gets ripe, then it becomes orange or yellow, sweet in taste, and fragrant also. Our mind also, when not ripened, then it is sour, hard, you know, and with some kind of a smell of its own, it needs to be ripened. So that karma is a process of... Karma means that I have to act, interact with the world, that's all. And the world will take care of everything else, you know. They'll set me right. The thing is that when I perform action with proper values, I'll be set right. So karma yoga is meant for ripening the mind. The tamas, tamas fellow, he justifies not doing something. Apravrutti, there is no motivation to do. And then the only thing to do is to give them temptation that if you do this, this is what you will get. Let's call sakama karma. Action performed with a, with a desire for reward, which is fine. It's better to perform an action with a desire for reward than not performing an action. And still if he doesn't do that, then we have to threaten him. Then they say, akarane pratyavayaha, that's what the scriptures will say. You fail to perform your duties, pratyavayaha, you're going to incur sin, you'll be punished. So threat for punishment on one hand, for by failing to perform the duty, and the reward for performing duty. This is the method that even scriptures also employ. They recognize that just by because you give injunction that this is your duty, this is your duty, not that people are going to do that. Tell them what they will get by performing duty. Show them the reward. He says, I don't care for reward. All right. Then this is the punishment if you don't do. Then he will do. So, tamas is to be aroused and aroused to rajas. And the rajas is to be, that energy of rajas is to be channelized to sattva. Aprakashaha, apravrtischa, pramadaha, mohaha evacha. We discussed in the morning pramada. Pramana is inadvertence, miscomprehension, inadvertence, doing, some, doing something other than what I, I should be doing. That means spending away my life and my precious time in activities that are not fruitful, useful to me. Not recognizing what it is that I am seeking in my life. Not recognizing that what I am seeking is unconditional happiness and freedom. And not recognizing that the way to get go about is to bring about an inner evolution or inner growth. Not recognizing that I should change myself. I should grow within myself, not recognizing that I keep changing things around me. So happiness can be obtained in two ways. I make things agreeable to me around myself, or I, may, I change myself to become agreeable to things. There are two ways. The world is there, I change myself so that I find an agreeability, or I remain intact and I change things around myself to make them agreeable. This is what usually a person does. The person remains intact, he keeps on changing things around. Except that things refuse to be changed. Or I change and I think everything is fine and the next moment it is different. So the process is to, to try to transform myself.
to initiate a process of what we call inner growth or emotional maturity. Then life of yoga, not life of bhoga. When this is not understood, when a person simply squanders away the time and energy in bhoga are merely seeking pleasures, this is called pramada. Pramada means inadvertence. Moha, moha means delusion. Again, moha means abhivekha, seeing something which is not there. So that is called, what is dharma is seen as a dharma. What is the dharma is seen as dharma. This is also called moha. Therefore, from the people, when this tamas becomes predominant, then the people become cruel. The cruelty is the result of this. Slowly, this will turn into asura, a demon, and rakshasa. Asurim, rakshasim, chaiva, prakrutim, mohinim, sitaha. So, when tamas predominates, predominates, the person develops all the asuri prakrutis, this cruelty and things like that, and the destructive attitudes, the tendency that we see, also is tamas. Tamas Chaitanya Jayante Vivruddhe Kurunandana He Kurunandana He Arjuna When Tamas becomes predominant then these qualities, tendencies they become manifest. <coughs> so thus Lord Krishna told us how with Sattva Rajas Tamas we can't see. They are the qualities or dispositions that cannot be objectified but then we know them by the product, by the effect. So from the karya, we know the karana. From the effect, we know the cause. And so in last three verses, Lord Krishna described what are the effects of this sattvarajastamas. And this is meant for our own. When we learn some of these kind of things, then it becomes a nice pastime. Swamiji, this fellow is rajas, this fellow is tamas, this fellow is like that. And so, but again, this is meant for our own self, not necessarily when we learn about Amanit from Adam Vitam, Swami, I knew he is a Mani. This fellow is a Dambi. This fellow is like that. All of this is meant for not even judging ourselves. I am not saying that we have to judge ourselves or we have to condemn ourselves or anything like that. We have to be objective about ourselves also. And that I observe my mind. And this gives us sort of guidelines so I know what kind of tendencies are there and then what to do about them. See, we cannot blame ourselves for what we are, by the way. Because what we are is because of ignorance and we have not created ignorance. Ignorant everybody is born and I was born with all these tendencies to begin with. Everyone is a combination of sattva, rajas and tamas, there is no choice. Any human being the usually combination of rajas, tamas are always there along with sattva. So each one of us is born with these tendencies for attachments and aversions or likes and dislikes. And therefore we have our own share of lust and anger and greed and resentment and jealousies and everything is there. Everybody has that. At the same time understand that everybody has those other qualities also. Truthfulness, non-violence, compassion, charity, love, that also we have. And that's why a battle generally goes on. The 16th chapter of Bhagavad Gita in fact describes that battle. Like the battle in Kurukshetra, like the battle between Pandavas and Kauravas. And Kauravas are always many, Pandavas are always few. Similarly also, the Sattvic tendencies are few, the other tendencies are many. <coughs> so this is our lot, this is what we are born with. People may have some variation in disposition, but basically this is how human beings are. And we will take up from there. I cannot blame myself for what I am. I cannot condemn myself for what I am. If I have anger, I have lust, I have greed, I have jealousy, resentment, okay. 
I do not hate myself or condemn myself for that. At the same time, I do not remain, you know, I, 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 I should take the responsibility to change them. I need not take the responsibility because for having them, but I have the responsibility for doing something about them. That is for sure. So when I find anger or something arising in me, I don't condemn myself for that, but at least I commit myself to deal with that in the manner in which the scriptures Bhagavad Gita teaches us. <coughs> and when we live the life Sattvic, Rajas or Tamas, then what's the end? So by that also, this Sattva Rajas Tamas are also described further in the next two verses with reference to the kind of Gati, the kind of end that one gains. Maranadvaryanapi even through the gate or through the, the uh, indication of the kind of death, also one can see uh, what are the kind of qualities that predominate in oneself. Fourteenth verse tells us, Yada Sattve Pravruddhetu Yada Sattve Pravruddhetu Pralayam Yati Deha Bhruta Pralayam Yati Deha Bhruta Tadottama vidam lokan, tadottama vidam lokan, amalan pratipadhyate, amalan pratipadhyate. Yada sattve pravurdhetu pralayam yati dehavruta. Yada when or if dehavruta, the embodied one, pralayam yati, he dies. Pravurdhe sattve, why sattva is predominant. In short, when I die, at that time if sattva is predominant in my mind, which means I have lived a life in such a manner that I have grown predominant in sattva, and in that state I die. Then what happens to me? Tada uttama vidam lokan amalan pratipadyade Then attains the taintless worlds, amalan lokan. Mala means taint, amalan, taintless. Oh, lokan, worlds, Uttama Vidan. Uttama Vidan means those who know the highest entities. That means those who are meditated upon, upon Saguna Brahma. So the kind of loka, world that they get, these people get. In short, if I have a mind that enjoys the predominance of Sattva, then I will be born in those worlds of gods. So Uttama Vidam Lokan, I will be born in the world of gods. If you want to be born. If you don't want to be born, then you will not be born as a human being again to continue this. So when I perform what we call the virtuous actions, what is the motivation behind these actions? If I want to be rewarded as a result of performing virtuous actions, then I will be rewarded in terms of being born in those worlds where I enjoy those kind of exalted pleasures. But if I do not want to be rewarded by even uh, after performing good actions or virtuous deeds, if I do not want to be rewarded in a material sense, then all those things bring about what we call the purification of mind and result into knowledge. But here we are told that if one has lived a life of sattva, and if one dies with a mind that is sattvic, then one gains the worlds which are also gained by the people of high virtue. One gain, gains birth in the world of gods, etc., and enjoys those pleasures. <coughs> and then comes back, of course, 
The idea is that when there is predominance of punya, predominance of virtue, then again those kind of births where those virtues or punyas are are spent out and exhausted, that means I gain those pleasure for a length of time. When the excess of this punya is exhausted, when there is a combination of punya papa, then again I am born as a human being. So human being human is a birth which is a combination of punya and papa, virtue and vice. <coughs> and the next verse tells us about the Rajas and Tamas. Rajasipralayangatva Rajasipralayangatva Karma Sangishu Jayate Karma Sangishu Jayate Tatha Pralinas Tamasi Tatha Pralinas Tamasi Mudhayonishu Jayate Mudhayonishu Jayate Rajasipralayangatva Your person dies with predominance of Rajas Karma Sangishu Jayate Then he is born among people who are attached to action he is born among, you know, in, a, in, in an environment where a lot of activity is there because he also possesses rajas and a very, very active mind. So what Lord Krishna is also telling that every jiva gains birth in an environment that is conducive for his nature. So a person with sattvic tendency will be born in an environment where that kind of an atmosphere obtains, sattvic atmosphere obtains. With Rajas predominant, he is born in an environment where there is a lot of activity. Tatha Pradinas Tamasi. On the other hand, a person dies with predominance of Tamas. Mudhayo Nishu Jayate. He is born among the unintelligent one. Pashvadiyo Nishu, born as animals, etc. Where the Tamas is predominant. So human being, Rajas is predominant. The lower birth, Tamas is predominant. The higher birth, Sattva is predominant. So depending upon what is the nature of the mind, a person takes birth accordingly. <coughs> this is just being said, the idea is that uh, uh, that every birth is a result of the actions of the past. And so everybody is born in accordance with the result of the kind of actions that were performed in the past. And what determines my destiny is what is the kind of situation obtaining at the time of death. But Swamiji, that is good. I need not worry about my life. I will worry about the death. Let me do what I want to do right now. At the time of death, I will chant Narayana, Narayana, Narayana. That's what happened to Ajamil. Ajamil is a very famous story. This person was that once upon a time, he was a Brahmin. And he was also a pious person. But I don't know what happened to him. Then somehow he came in, in bad company. Ultimately got married to a prostitute. And then he had a son who was named Narayana. And this fellow was highly attached to that son. Narayana, Narayana, small. And then he was an old man. He was dying. At the time of death, only thing he could think of was his son. Narayana, Narayana, Narayana. He was calling him. And then he passed away. So Yamaduta, that means the messengers of Lord Death, were all ready to take him to the Yamaloka, to hell. But then when he said, Narayana, 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 Lord Narayana, who was in Vaikunda, he heard this. And he called his messengers. He says, wait, fellows, look, here is my devotee calling my name. You go. 
Then those messengers say, no Lord, he's not calling your name, he's calling his son's name. <laughs> Lord Narayana says, who told you? His Narayana is my name. His son is born just a few years ago. It is my name. He's calling my name. Go and get him. Just by virtue of uttering Narayana, Narayana at the end, at the time of death, this Jamil ultimately got the world of Vaikuntha, Lord Vishnu. So this is a story, very comforting story. That's the reason why at the time of death, always recite God's name. At the time of death, you always recite God's name. And in fact, recite loudly or somehow it may go into this person who is dying. Unfortunately, at the time of death, I am not around to chant Narayana. Because I wish, I may say Narayana, but at the time of death, the thought that will present itself before me is not something that I can control. Just as when I go to sleep, what dream will I get? Can I control that? If I could, that will be nice. Every day, Swamiji, I know what I'm going to dream tonight. Then I need not keep awake also. I can dream whatever I like. Because I know this waking world is, is a lot of conflict is there. But just as what to dream is not something that I can decide. When I fall asleep and then whatever is the predominant thought that presents itself in my mind and that is what creates a dream world. And similarly also at the time of death, whatever is the predominant thought I have entertained during my life is the thought that presents itself and that determines my destination. So if I wish that my mind should be sattvic at the time of death, I rather live that kind of a life. And that is the purpose here. The death is never, you know, even when Vedanta or Bhagavad Gita talks about death, death is not that important. The life is important. But what happens at death is determined by how I live. And therefore, Lord Krishna in 8th chapter elaborated all these things. And so, yo yo yam 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 tanum bhakna yam yam vapismaran bhavam tejat chande kalevaram tam tamevaidi kaunteya sadatat bhav bhavita. Whatever be the, the thought with which he departs, that determines his destination. So, this tells us what kind of life we should live. And that's what is said in the 16th verse. Karmanasukrutasyahu. Karmanasukrutasyahu. Satvikam nirmalam phalam. Satvikam nirmalam phalam. Rajasastuphalam dukkham. Rajasastuphalam dukkham. Agnyanam tamasaphalam. Agnyanam tamasaphalam. Karmanaha sukratasyahu satvikam nirmalam phalam. They say that the result of good action is pure and born of sattva. So if I want that my mind should become sattvic, what should I do? Perform good actions, that's all. What is meant by good action? An action is good to the extent that it is less and less selfish. So more selfishness is there, action just gets polluted by the tendency of selfishness. And more an action is performed with an attitude of worship, more an action is performed with an attitude of offering, more an action is performed with as much selflessness as possible, more an action is performed for the love of action rather than for the reward. That is what we call Sukrutaha. 
So, Sukrutam, that's the action that is well done, or what we call Punya Karma. Now, I am born with whatever kind of tendencies or whatever kind of nature I am born, that's okay. But what I should do with that nature is something that I have to decide. And if I want that my mind should become sattvic, then I should take up what we call sukrata or what we call virtuous actions. If nothing else, it is actions based on the basic values of life. Even if I cannot perform worship and things like that, at least basic values of life, non-violence, truthfulness. Amanitvam, adambit ahimsa, kshantihi. When in my action, some compassion is manifest. Forgiveness, compassion, non-violence, truthfulness, honesty. So that is no problem. That's a big problem. That's not easy. Honesty is not easy. Truthfulness is not easy. Oh, Swami, in this country we have no problem with truthfulness. In this country we have no problem with honesty. We have some other kinds of problems. But no, more we understand about honesty and truthfulness, more dimensions we discover of them. Truthfulness does not merely stop at speaking truth, but then what it is that I accomplish by speaking truth, and then the truth becomes subtler and subtler and subtler. The honesty. Also, the idea of honesty is, because very often there is something in my mind and something else that I express outside. It's not uncommon. It's not uncommon that what I say outside is somewhat different from what is in my mind. Swami, if I had actually my way, you know, I would have given him one. But anyway, I smile and I say, you know. So, very often we show ourselves outside in one way, because that's Swami, that's what you have to do. That's what the Vyavara requires, that there must be at least a half an inch of smile on your face. And so you think the person is actually greeting me. In fact, there may be quite some, something else inside. Person can hate you and still smile at you, just because that is what the Vyavara, that's what the code of conduct requires. So a lot of things you do because that is a code of conduct required. Swami, that is how you should do in this society. Because I am conscious about my image and therefore to make sure that my image is maintained and therefore I come across in a certain way. So as we analyze our own tendencies, then we realize what an amount of dishonesty is built in. So more and more we learn about our mind, more and more we monitor and thus more and more honestly become. Swami, that's, that's, you know, that is very painful. It would be very painful. To be truthful, to be honest, to be non-violent is, is not easy at all. It's quite painful. And anyway, as I said, that is a pain, that is the pain of giving up some attachments and aversions. So, sattvikam, sattva means it requires that I should perform an action as motivated not by my likes and dislikes, but I perform an action because it is the right thing to do. That's called Karma Yoga. That's what Lord Krishna teaches. So, Karma Nivadikara says, it is your, you must perform your duty. Niyatam kur karmatvam, perform your duty. Because it is the right thing to do. <coughs> Not because it is convenient to do. Not because it is, so Lord Krishna in 18th chapter describes all of this in quite detail. <coughs> Niyatam Sangarahitam Aragadveshtakritam Afala Prefsana Karma Satvikam Parichakshade. Niyatam, that which is appointed, that which is enjoined for me. So that which is proper for me, depending upon the station of my life and depending upon what a situation calls for, the kind of response that a situation calls for, Niyatam. Sangarahitam, again the action is performed without attachment for the reward. 
No, this is very difficult to do something and also be indifferent to the reward or not being motivated by the reward but motivated by doing something because it is the right thing to do. It's not easy because the mind seeks reward. Niyatam, Sangarahitam, Aragadveshatakrutam. An action is performed not as motivated by Aragadvesha. Is motivated by the desire to do something good, desire to do something right, desire to perform an action as worship, as offering. Afala prepsuna karma, an action performed by one who afala prepsu, one is not desirous of phala or the reward. Sattvikam parichakshade, that action is called sattvikam. None of the actions we perform is going to be purely sattvikam, no question about it, you know. It's not easy, but we sort of Look at our own mind and, disc- and, and, and take note of these tendencies. Where phalaprepsa, how there is a built-in desire for reward. I make a note of that. Sangha, how there is a certain attachment to the, I want to perform certain kind of action and not some other kind of action. Ragadvesha, how often I am motivated by my attachments and aversions. And there is some partiality somewhere and some, you know, so that happens. And niyatam, what is right thing for me to do, not necessarily what I like to do. Sometimes they are the same, that's good. If what I like to do is what I should be doing, then I am lucky. But very often, what I like to do is one thing and what I should be doing is another thing. Thus, when we commit ourselves to that, then we discover all of these little conflicts which are always there in our mind. And all of these gives us an opportunity to learn about our mind. And slowly, resolve the things. But there is sattvikam. Rajasastu phalam dukkham yattu kamev sunapu karma. So, on the other hand, the karma that is performed with a desire for a reward. Sahankare navapunaha. Perform with ego. Kriyate bahulayasam. And perform with all kinds of exertion. Rajasam parichakshate. That is the rajas karma. Anubandam kshayam himsam anavekshade paurusham mohadarabhyade karma Some people take up lots of work, lot of activities. Anubandam, without thinking of any consequence. What will happen? Kshayam. And what I will have to, you know, what is it that I may have to, uh, I may be required to spend for performing that action? What resources are required? Or what will be the expense involved? Himsam, whether action that I perform will hurt somebody or not. Paurusam, whether I have the capability of doing or not. Some people, mohad, thoughtlessly they take up a lot of activities. This is the tamas karma. So anyway, in the 18th chapter, Lord Krishna explains to us, sattvic karma, rajas karma, tamas karma. Karmanaha, sukratasyahuhu, sattvikam, nirmalam phalam, the mind becomes nirmalam. Nirmalam means it becomes free from mala. Mala means rajas and tamas. So mind becomes free from rajas and tamas when we take what we call sattvic karma or sukruta or what we call virtuous action. Rajas astupalam dukkham. On the other hand, action performed as motivated by ragadvesha brings about dukkham or pain. Agnanam tamasafalam. On the other hand, an action performed without any kind of an understanding. Out of delusion, mohad. Out of a wrong understanding, tamas. Agnanam tamasafalam that only brings about ignorance, meaning brings about a further, further delusion. 
So this is how three kinds of sattvic action, rajas action, tamas action. The result is one brings about purity, second one and therefore happiness. This rajas brings about dukkha and tamas brings about tremendous dukkha. So action born of rajas brings about some sukha mixed with dukkha. Sattva brings about sukha, rajas brings about a mixture of sukha dukkha and tamas brings about dukkha. This is how it is. <coughs> Again in the 17th verse, almost restating what has been stated so far, Sattvat Sanjayate Jnanam Sattvat Sanjayate Jnanam Rajaso Lobha Evacha Rajaso Lobha Evacha Pramada Mohautamasaha Pramada Mohautamasaha Bhavato Jnanam Evacha Bhavato Jnanam Evacha Sattvat Sanjayate Jnanam from sattva is born knowledge. Knowledge is born from sattva. Rajasaha lobhayavacha. From rajas greed is born. Pramadamohu tamasaha agnyanam evacha bhavataha. Pramadamohu bhavataha agnyanam evacha bhavati. And from the tamas, pramada. That is inadvertence. Moha, delusion, agnyanam, ignorance are all born of tamas. This is just recapping, summarizing what has already been discussed. <coughs> Again, the 18th verse summarizes all the verses. Urdham gachanti sattvasthaha Urdham gachanti sattvasthaha Madhye tishthanti rajasaha Madhye tishthanti rajasaha Jaghanya guna vruttasthaha Jaghanya guna vruttasthaha Adho gachanti tamasaha Urdham gachanti sattvasthaha So those who conform to sattva, those who live a life based on sattva, Urdham gachanti, they go up. Now they go up in terms of being born into the higher kind of embodiments or they go up in their life. So going up meaning that we go up as far as our spiritual evolution is concerned. In short, performing sattvic action itself is spiritual life. Action which, that is, as you said, a, a certain sense of responsibility, a sense of accountability, a sense of gratitude, a sense of duty, and sense of honesty. When all of this is involved, this is spiritual life to begin with. Urdham gachandi, these people who live a life of sattva, Uzum Gachanti. They go up in the sense that they rise on a ladder of evolution, what we call inner spiritual evolution. So mind becomes, as I said, mind becomes nirmalam, because more and more free from the impurities. That the one discovers a greater and greater happiness from oneself. So one discovers a greater peace within oneself. So sattvic person is a person with a peace with himself. Because rajas and tamas, they cause all kinds of agitation in the mind. So when my mind is in with predominant rajas or attachments, aversions, there cannot be peace of mind. I cannot be happy or comfortable with myself. So sattva creates an inner peace, a comfort with myself. And therefore, the only way to become happy in life, what is it, what do you call spiritual life? Just to be happy is a practical thing. Who does want to be happy? When can I be happy? 
when I have an inner peace. Happiness is not, is a subjective phenomenon, has nothing to do with what is around me, is something to do with what is within me. And then with my mind enjoys the freedom from conflict, enjoys freedom from stress, enjoys freedom from uh, agitation. Then that's a mind that is an abiding mind, a mind that enjoys certain purity, cheerfulness. I find myself happy with myself, comfortable with myself. That is happiness. So no, suppose nobody wants moksha and stuff like that, then also. If you just want local happiness, to be happy while living, then also sattva is the best policy. Living a life of sattva becomes the best policy. Madhya tishthanti rajasaha On the other hand, people living a life of rajas, loba, greed, avarice, activity, agitation, restlessness, attachments, aversion. Madhya tishthanti. They essentially remain where they are. Because human being is born in the middle. Human being in the middle. Devatas are higher and animals etc. are lower. So living a life of rajas. Rajas means life of pursuit of pleasure. Then essentially one remains where one is. Assuming that the pleasure is sought by fair means of course. But even if my means are fair. Suppose I am an honest person. That's not enough. What do I do with my honesty? So I have collected all this wealth honestly. That's fine. And what do you do with the wealth? I enjoy it. That means enjoyment of pleasure is the purpose of life. Even if I am an honest man, as long as the purpose is merely sensuous pleasure, so long it's rajas. So madhyatishthandi, they remain where they are. Jaganyagunavrattasthaha adhogachinditamasaha So there are people who are happy by making others happy. There are people who are happy by feeding others. There are people who are happy by eating themselves. There are people who be happy by starving others. The three kinds of fellows. Sattvic people are happy feeding others. Rajas people are happy eating. Tamas people are happy by star- meaning by giving somebody else a pain. So he gets pleasure by giving pain to somebody. That is tamas. So they say there are some people who are happy because others are happy. There are some people are happy because they are happy. Some people are happy because others are unhappy. Sattva, rajas and tamas. Jaganyagunavrattasta. Thus those who have led life of seeking happiness by paining others. That is tamas. Adhogachanditamasaha. They are also born in those embodiments where there is cruelty. So all the all the uh, the embodiments of the species below the human beings, the cruelty manifests in varying degree. Ultimately, he may become a lion or a tiger or something. A very cruel animal, depending upon what he has earned here. Or don't forget about the, what will happen after this birth. Right here, it is not that he is born as a tiger later. He is tiger here. When is born as tiger later? So when when can I born as a mosquito? In the next birth, when I'm already a mosquito here, in the human body, when my, I have a mosquito mind, then I'm born as mosquito. I have a mind of a snake or a scorpion, then I'm born as a scorpion. Mind of a tiger, I'm born as a tiger. Mind of a god, I'm born as god. So the birth that takes place from here is, is not something, you know, that is, uh, there is an abrupt change. It is a, it's something that I already acquired here. In the human, therefore in the human form, there can be God. 
in the human form there can be human being in the human form there can be a demon in the human form there can be an animal and so how to live my life is what I have to decide that's what Lord Krishna says I can live as God I can live as a human being or I can live as an animal also well the free will is given that is why how to use that free will that's what Lord Krishna teaches and thus in all these verses Lord Krishna taught us how the bond, what's the nature of bondage? All of this is within the realm of bondage. What are these three dispositions, Sattva Rajasthamas? What are their characteristics? And how they affect the person? How he acts under their influence? How his nature is under their influence? And what kind of effects they create? All of this has been elaborately described by Lord Krishna. But understand that this chapter is not to describe these three gunas. The chapter is to describe how to transcend the three gunas. Gunatita is a subject matter. Who is Gunatita? The one who has transcended the gunas. Pregunya Vishayavedaha Nistraigunyo Bhavarjuna. Lord Krishna said in the second chapter itself, Pregunya Vishayavedaha. Here, Juna, the Vedas are in the realm of three gunas. The whole samsara is in the realm of three gunas. Nistraigunya Bhavarjuna, may you become Nistraigunya, may you become the one who has gone above or transcended the three gunas, which means one who who knows the self as that which is the substrate of the three gunas. <coughs> so the question was, how do you become free from these gunas? So process is like this. We can become free only in this way. From tamas, we must grow to rajas. From rajas, we must grow to sattva and from sattva we can go beyond sattva. It is not possible, renunciation is possible only when sattva is there, otherwise it is not possible. Renunciation with rajas is always going to, when I, I give up something and I feel a loss, that is called rajas, rajas renunciation. I give up something and I feel a sense of freedom, that is sattvic. I give up something, I feel a sense of loss, that is rajas. And so, the freedom can be there, one can gain the knowledge, one can transcend something, one can renounce something, only when the relationship has been purified. So first what is necessary is purification of Yavahara. I can renounce the world, whole world, provided I have settled account with the world. I can give up anything or a given thing I can give up when I have settled account with that thing. What is meant by settling account? When my relationship with that has become sattvic relationship. When the relationship is pure relationship, when the relationship is one of love and comfort, then alone I can renounce, otherwise I cannot renounce because otherwise, as I said, I will feel a sense of loss. So outwardly something is given up, but inwardly I cannot give it up. So tamas to rajas, rajas to sattva. And how do we transcend sattva? By knowledge. Up to that point the action has a role. Action as a role or karma yoga as a role up to the point of making me a sattvic person. Then one can denounce action also. Parikshalokan, karma chitan, brahmano, nirvedamaya, nasta, kratasprateena. Have you heard of this verse? Yeah, this morning it was discussed. Swami was talking about this verse. Nasti, nasti, kratasprateena. 
So I do experience happiness now and then, but it's always conditioned happiness. That is when conditions are satisfied, then I'm happy. I do experience freedom now and then, but there is also condition of freedom, meaning that I, I feel free when some conditions are satisfied. I don't like that. What I want is happiness without any condition. Happiness without any freedom. That is an happiness. That's an over ever obtaining thing. That happiness cannot be created. That vijnanasam, that happiness is something that is to be discovered, that is to be known as a self. So in the sattvic mind, the desire for knowledge arises. In the rajas mind, desire for pleasure will arise. In tamas mind, desire to hurt will arise. In rajas mind, desire to enjoy will arise. In sattvic mind, desire to know will arise. Apple falls from the tree. Depends on who is looking at that apple. For a Newton, when apple falls, what kind of a desire does he have? How did the apple fall? What made it fall? That, that phenomenon caused in mind of Newton a desire to know. If I was standing there, apple, oh wonderful, I love apple. How does it taste? You know, so I want to enjoy it. Same phenomenon cause, they cause different kinds of responses from different people. And there is Thomas Tamoguni fellow, apple, he doesn't even bother about it, let it lie. So, it will get rotted. Any Rajoguni fellow will eat it. Maybe he will ripen it and eat it. Or he may eat it as it is, depends on. But Thomas, he will get rotted away. Or maybe he will use that apple to hit somebody. That is also possible. So how same phenomenon can cause different kinds of response from different people? So also the world, what response does it cause from me? When I look at the world or when I interact with the world, what happens to me? Oh, I want to enjoy this, I want this, I, I hate this and I love this. And that's the kind of response that, that is rajas and tamas. <coughs> the same world, when a sattvic person interacts with, it creates a new desire to know who created the world. Oh, what a beautiful order there is. Who is the creator of the order? What is the truth of this world? So, sattva, sattva sanjayate jnanam, in sattva the desire for knowledge arises. And knowledge also arises, but before that the desire for knowledge. So when now knowledge become an important thing for me, when knowledge become the most important for me, then I am ready to now to give up the karma, renounce my duties and responsibilities. I am now duty towards myself. So far I had duty towards God, and now I have duty towards myself. Then recognize, accept it. For that knowledge, he must go to the teacher. Samit Panahi Shrotriyam Brahmanishtam Samit Panahi with a, with a load of faggots in his hands, he goes to a qualified teacher. All of this is assumed. All of this is assumed. And then the teacher teaches him. What does he teach him? Tattvamasi. And the word. You are not a samsari. You are not a jiva. You are not this body, you are not the sense organs, you are not the mind, you are not this bunch of three gunas. Tad brahmanishkalamaham nacha bhuta sangha. This bhuta sangha, this, this aggregate of the bhuta, the five elements I am not. 
So you are not this aggregate of five elements. You are not this personality. You are not this Prakriti. You are the one that eliminates the Prakriti. That enlivens the Prakriti. You are the one because of which the Prakriti has a sentience. That's what the teacher teaches. And that's what the student learns. That's what Lord Krishna describes in the 19th verse. Nanyam gune bhyakkartaram Nanyam gune bhyakkartaram Yada drashtanu pasyade Yada drashtanu pasyade Gune bhyaschaparam vete Gune bhyaschaparam vete Madhavam sodhi gachade Madhavam sodhi gachade So, not only it requires a sattvic mind, but also requires an exposure to the teaching. But the teaching becomes effective, very effective when the mind is prepared, when the mind is sattvic. Like lighting the lamp, you know. So, sometimes you, you strike a match and try to light that, that wick. And then you get sound, all kinds of sounds come there. And the wick does not light because there is a lot of moisture in there. The wick lights up right away when there is no moisture. It must have oil, but freedom from moisture. So also the mind is free from moisture of the rajas and tamas. Then this, the teaching in X, you know, then of course it works. Then the student recognizes. Nanyam gune bhyakkartaram yada drashta anupashyati. Yada when drashta. When one discovers oneself with the drashta, the witness. Anupashyati. He sees. Anupashyati. Pashyati means sees. Anupashyati. Sees in keeping with the teaching instruction of the teacher. So sees in keeping with the teacher and the scriptures. Gunebhya anyam kartaram na. That karta, who is it that performs the actions? Even sattvic action, Raja's action, Tama's action, who is it that performs his various actions? Gunebhyana, Anyamna, Anyatna. Actions are all performed by Gunas. Gunas is Prakriti, Sattva, Rajas, Tamas. Of which our personality is made. Our mind, our intellect, our sense organs, our body, as we have been saying, this complex, which is what we call personality, is made up of the three Gunas, Sattva, Rajas and Tamas. All the actions are performed by these Gunas, or the modification of Gunas. As you said, Sattva has modified itself in the form of mind and sense organs of perception. The Rajas has modified itself in the form of Prana in the organs of action. The Tamas has modified itself in the form of the body. So these modifications, the products of the three Gunas, they perform all the actions. The action always requires movement. Action requires motion. Action requires change. Action requires modification. When action is performed, there is a movement from one place to the other, from one time to the other. And when this undergoes a sudden change, motion, movement. So when change is there, motion is there, movement is there, modification is there, then all action is possible. Action is not possible in self. That is changeless, free from motion, free from modification, free from changes. So thus one recognizes all the changes and motions and modifications take place in this personality which is a product of the three gunas. 
Gone bhyasya paramveti and also recognizes not only does he recognize that all the actions, activities they are all they are all take place in the gunas that is in the prakriti in the nature and that I am gunay bhyasya paramveti that I am the self who is beyond the gunas who is our witness in whose presence these gunas function the gunas themselves, the prakriti of matter itself is inert and the, the, create, the confusion is created in our mind because we find the mind acting like conscious entity. The sense organs acting like conscious entities. The body also acting like conscious entity. And that's why it creates this delusion in my mind that Atma is, I am not, that is body is Atma because it appears to be conscious entity. I recognize that the consciousness that this personality of the Prakriti displays is not the inherent consciousness. It is I the self that imparts consciousness to them. And that I am free from the three gunas. That all the limitations of gunas I don't have. I am the very intelligence, the very consciousness that the witness of the three gunas. Free from kartrutva, the doership, and the bhoktrutva, the enjoyership. Madhavam Sodhikachari. So when one sees oneself in this manner, Lord Krishna says, He attains my bhava, he attains my state, he becomes one with me, he discovers the identity with me. So knowing the self that is beyond the three gunas, meaning that which witnesses the three gunas. In whose presence the three gunas perform their various activities, who itself does not participate, without whom nothing can be done. Oh, itself does not participate, that non-participating, the very asti, the very self, that is self-effulgent, self-existing and self-sufficient, that self-I-am, it is that knowledge which makes him free from the bondage of the gunas and enables him to discover oneness, madbhavam, oneness with the Lord. <coughs> okay, we'll continue tomorrow. Om Purnamada Purnamidam Purnat Purnamudachyade Purnasya Purnamadaya Purnameva Vashashyade Om Shanti 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 Shankaram Shankaracharyam Keshavam Vadarayanam Sutra Bhashya Krutavande Bhagavanta Upunapunaha Ishvaro Guru Ratmedi Murti Veda Vibhagine Vyoma Vadyapta Dehaya Dakshina Murtaye Namaha Om Shanti 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 Hari Om Shri Guru Namaha Hari Om